This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Excellent. Shalom Aleichem, everyone. Fantastic, unbelievable Pasha, of course. Pasha Vayera has all kinds of things going on. Um, Pasha Vayera, the three Malachim. Pasha Vayera, that someone's going to have a child. Pasha Vayera, the Akedat Yitzchak, the destruction of Sadaim, the birth of Rus, Mashiach, and David from Lot. Uh, it's, it's explosive, but there's only going to be like, we don't have that much time. It's, it's 11 o'clock already, so we, we're going to try to take certain pieces, but Mitz Hashem, we're going to learn a lot tonight from Eitzaploy Satayra. I told everyone they should buy this. It's a very unbelievable safer. It has a lot of really good Haskamas on it. And we're going to, we're going to go back and forth. Some old stuff, but very little old stuff. Mostly new stuff. So, the Pasha begins with Vayera Elav Hashem, Bolone Imam Rebu Yeshi Pesach Oel Kachayim so really, the first chesed in the Torah, right? The first chesed in the Torah, we're all B'nai Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Avraham is, Avraham is chesed. So it says that if, if you have a, someone in Klyasrol who doesn't have that midah, then you should check out where he comes from. Because we have the spiritual DNA of Avraham Avinu, that he did, that he has this chesed. But what was special about, I spoke in the years past, I'm not going to spend that much time on this, but um, what was special special about his chesed, like non-Jewish people do chesed there are other people that do chesed, right so, so, what is special about, what, how do you get to an Avram Avinu's level of chesed number one Hashem appeared to him in Eloni Mamre why Eloni Mamre, because Mamre did something for Avram Avinu so Avram Avinu had a karas Hashem had a karsatayv actually. Hashem appeared to him in the Eloni Mamre specifically, because everything is based on Hakarasatayv, right? And he was sitting at his doorway in the heat of the day. Every little boy knows and every little girl knows that Hashem put out special heat, a heat wave, that no one should be traveling. So that no one's going to bother Avram on the third day of his milah, after his milah. Hashem saw that it bothered him more that he had no visitors in the pain of the milah. So he sent these three malachim so that he would have guests and he wouldn't feel so bad. Guys, Hashem didn't know that. Like, why did he put the heat out? Hashem put the heat out, and then he saw Avram Avinu was like, I don't care about my pain. You know, I, I, I need gas. So Hashem said, okay, okay, put the heat away. Make it nice and comfortable and bring these malach away. Hashem didn't know that. He, he had to change his mind. And the answer is, the pastor is talking to us. Of course Hashem knew that. Hashem knew that Abraham Avinu is in more pain, that he's not being able to do chesed, than he is in the pain of the brismila. But Hashem wants you to know it. So had he not taken out the sun and made it hot that nobody came, you wouldn't know that. He was sitting at the gate, the three guys knocked on the door and he let him in. Okay, I do that too. So I just wanted to show you that there's a person that can be on the level if you take away his chesed, it's the worst thing you can do for him. Abraham Avinu didn't do chesed. Abraham Avinu is given a shtick chesed. He was chesed. That was his environment. That's where he lived. 
you take that away from him, then, then you know, people today, it would be psychologically, why do you have to do good for others? Are you not happy with yourself, so you have to do for others, so that you don't have to see yourself? Eh, no psychology here. Avraham Avinu was chesed. And Hashem wanted you to know that, that a day, that a day that he could not do chesed, there was no reason for him to live. He was so miserable. So Hashem wanted to teach us that. I was, I was Pesach, a few Pesachs ago, I spoke. And I threw out a question, and it was a very fascinating question. I, I haven't ever heard a speaker once say it. And I said, and you'll tell me about the Oyitz of Shabbaton. You'll tell me. I got up and I said, it's eight days, ten days actually, that we're in this hotel. Does it bother anyone that you haven't kissed mezuzah in ten days? Because the hotel doesn't have mezuzahs. Did you walk out of your room automatically, put your hand on it, but did it bother you? Oh my gosh! I'm a Jewish guy. I'm in a place for 10 days. Not one mezuzah. I said, if it didn't bother you, you're not a shtick mezuzah. It's not part of you. It's not missing. And this circus, I asked some guys that I was with. I was in the mountains with circus. And I wear tillin. I'm Ashkenaz. So I wear tillin chalamoid. And I, and you know, they all walk in, you just, with, you, don't, you, you just walk in, you don't have to put on your tillin, nothing, right? And I said to them, does it bother you on Cholomoyed that you don't wear tillin? Do you feel there's something missing and you're davening, that you're davening and you don't have tillin? You don't kiss your tillin in Kriyashma. I do because I have tillin on it, like, does it bother you? I wear Rabbeinu Tams. Right, Rabbeinu Tam's chillin. I have to be very specific. I wear Rabbeinu Tam's chillin. Right, so a chalamoid, you don't wear Rabbeinu Tam's chillin. It bothered me that I couldn't put on my second pair of chillin. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos has is an ice. It's not. It's. I don't think it's not ice. I think it's, it's not muksa, I don't think it's us ois. The cholomoid is an ois. It's yontif, right. But Shabbos, 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 you don't, you, 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 Shabbos, you're changing so much because, you know, you're not cooking. It's, it's, guys who smoke cigarettes who are absolutely addicted, they don't smoke Shabbos, and if you ask them, does it bother you? It doesn't. It's a different psych. Shabbos is a very different psych. It's also a different trilo. So I don't put on tefillin, it doesn't bother me. But cholamoyed, I'm davening the regular Shema Esri Kriya Shema. You know, it's, it's, it's a chol davening. So someone told me that he heard that there are people that don't usually daven um, Vasekin, but the morning after Yontif, they daven Vasekin to show Hashem that they want to put on tefillin, they miss it so much, that the first second they're allowed to put on tefillin, okay, so that they can dive with tefillin, and maybe it's his mind of talisman tefillin, that they mamish don't go ever early, but they go early that morning, it's an Indian to go early, to show Hashem, the first second I have a chance to put on my tefillin, I want to put it on, I miss it so much, I can't wait till nine o'clock. So it depends on who you are. 
if you if you very often doesn't show up and you hear there's no shear right can you not go through a Tuesday night because I at that hour 11 to 12 or 10 30 to whatever it is if I don't have a shear I am totally like or it's like oh good I don't have to I, don't, I could go to sleep early tonight or I could go out to eat or whatever it is what you I'm not telling you what you feel you should be I know my does Rabbi Wallerstein when he doesn't speak because it's Cholamoid or Yontif Tuesday night does Rabbi Wallerstein feel void like I didn't give a shear or it's like Thank God, it's 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 Sukkis. I got two weeks off. Or Pesach, I got two weeks off. I'm not answering the question. I'm just telling you, right? It's like a little. It happened. It happened in the Torah. Hashem was very upset that Klal after Matan Torah they ran away. They ran away as fast as they could. Like like Rashi says, like a little boy who runs out of yeshiva. So 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 Avram Avinu was on a level like how could I not wear tefillin like a whole day I didn't wear tefillin like you so chesed he was like it was hot and you're sick so go to sleep tomorrow you do chesed he needed to be to do chesed he was a shtick chesed who in his room feels you're a shtick chesed or shtick tachanun (laughs) you turn around there's a chesed you're looking in shul I'm looking to see who's wearing a talus with like the silver on it. Right? Are you a chassid? No, I've been wearing this for five years. I'm married for five years. I have two kids, you know. But it's like, oh. And the guy bangs. Shimon Esrei. Chassid! Shkadavi, Shkadavi. like, oh man, I just saved five minutes. <laughs> right? So are you a shtik tachanun? Are you looking forward to Hashem, please forgive me? Or it's just an outside Chinese thing? And your chassid's also an outside chassid. If you put your hand on it, I'm going to give you a dollar. But that I need you to put your hand out? Do you go to shul and if no one's collecting, do you are you do you feel like you're missing something? Do you feel like, oh my gosh, no one collected today? I didn't even give a dollar? Does it bother you? So in Pashas Vayera, Hashem is showing you the ultimate is to be such a piece of chesed that if you can't do it, you're a sicker, then a person who was sick from the third day of Rasmila. That's the ultimate. That's what you that's what you're that's what you're driving for. I didn't help anyone for a week. I feel very empty. Right? Go to Florida. I have this struggle. I talk about my struggles. Go to Florida for a week or ten days, and I'm on total wind down, and I didn't give any shirim, and I go to shows no one recognizes me, so they don't bother me. Right, and I'm chilling for a week, and I just need a break, whatever it is. Does it bother you? Do you feel this crazy void? So the answer is that sometimes, because I, I, there's a certain girl school there that I call up, and I'm like, "Do you need me? I want to give a share." And they're like, "Wow, that's so nice. Sure, can we give a share?" And they're like, "The rabbi's like, I didn't even call you. Why?" You? I said, "Because I, I think it's more guilt. I don't know if it's void. It's more guilt. It's like I'm on vacation and I'm not." Giving a share, like it's you know, I'm missing the share here. I'm not giving the share. That's, that's more guilt. I'm not. I'm not on this level. I'm far from this level. It's guilt. It's like how can you go on vacation and not give a share? So yeah, but that's what you got to drive. That's what you got to drive for. You got to drive for like Tuesday night. No sheer is like, is like oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Or sometimes when you walk in, you're hoping eh, maybe there's no one here and we could get out of here in five minutes. We can gain shluffin. Baharaya. When I don't show up, 
and you know I'm not showing up, you don't show up. Rabbi Lamb comes in, there's two guys here. And Rabbi Ginsburg comes in, there's one guy here. You're not a shtick Tuesday night share, boys. The minute you hear I'm not here, you're like, I'm not going, Rabbi Walsh, not there. What's that to do with me? What's that to do with I'm here or not? Every Tuesday night, you give away an hour to learn Torah. See, there's Walsh's here. Because you're not a shtick Tuesday night share. It's the Chichayni. It's, it's, it's a Tuesday night share. Oh, he's not here? I'm out of here. I get that text every, uh, yeah. How many guys would be here tonight if you knew I wasn't here? I MS. So that's not, this, this not, doesn't, doesn't bother you. You have to learn Tuesday night. You have to. And if you don't, if your Tuesday night doesn't have that shear, there has to be a void. It doesn't matter whether I'm here or not. It's a shear, it's, it's a kavua shear. Doesn't make a difference who's here. Listen, I'm no better than anyone here. When I used to go to Daf Yaimi, Jeremy Weinfeld, right? If he was there, I went. If I knew he wasn't there, I didn't go. There was another, someone else was giving the shear. But I didn't go, because I had an excuse. He's not there. So you're not a Daf Yaimi guy, man. If you're a Daf Yaimi guy, it doesn't matter if there's no one there. There's a tape playing giving the share. It doesn't make a difference. you got to learn that daf. That was Avram Avinu. He was just pure chesed. There's no way I can go a day without chesed. Now, where was he sitting? Why does the Torah have... Everything the Torah tells us, tells us for a reason. He wasn't sitting in the back of the tent waiting for someone to knock on the door. Tzedakah. He wasn't sitting in the back of the tent. He wasn't sitting in his house. And when the guy rings the bell, you send your kid to the door. Tell him we're not home. How are you bringing up a kid then? You tell your kid to tell them, my, my father, we don't do that because we don't want to lie. So you say, my father's busy at the moment. Meanwhile, you're sitting there eating potato chips with a Coke, reading a book. Right? My father's busy. My mother is not home. My father, I'll tell you a cute story about me. Me and my friend, we went to one of my other friend's house to pick him up. We were going to take him out for lunch or surprise him. He didn't know we were coming. And we ring the bell. And my friend answers, who is it? And I'm I, that, this is a long time ago. I was a little wise I was still a wise guy, but I was a wise guy. And I'm like, Tzaduka, Mekimen Fenet, Yisruel, Fa, Azea, Choshevi, Yeshiveh, Adola, Tzedola, this is good. So my friend is the only one home because his wife left because we're surprising him. So we knew that he was home. She told us he's home. Come now, right? So I knew. So my friend answers. Right? He doesn't know it's us. My tata is nisht in the heim. My father is not home. He was saying his father is not home. So we were like, "Hello, it's Zach." He's like, "Oh my gosh!" Right? So that's not sitting at the door. And I have to tell you, and I spoke about this last night, and I have to tell you, the kids, children, are very sensitive to tzedakah. There are times that people knock on my door, my grandchildren are in the house, whatever it is, and I am very busy. And I'm like, you know, just just, just let, let, the, let the bell ring, because we have cameras. Like, I, I really can't go there. I'm talking to someone, whatever it is. And my little grandchild will come over to me, and he'll say, Zaydi, could I give him a dollar? Children are very into giving tzedakah. They don't understand when someone puts out, because they're very black and white, when someone puts out their hand, that you don't put tzedakah in it. They don't understand that. Especially if you lie. You know, kids watch everything and they they process everything. You never allow to lie if someone rings the bell and say, 
you know, don't an- nobody answer, then the kid knows you're lying. Why, why aren't you answering? Because you know that someone collecting tzedakah. They don't understand that because when they go to yeshiva every day, there's a pushka, and the rabbi says put a quarter, a penny, something into the box. So I'm putting a penny in the box. Why is my father not answering the door? They don't have that. And the best thing you could do is to actually go to the door and give the kid the money to give to the poor man. You have to be mechanech them. Children do what they see, not what they're told. And we lie so much in front of our kids. You know, the mother-in-law calls and the, and the, and the wife is saying um, to the daughter, listen, just, just tell, Bobby, tell Bobby I'm not home. I'm not available, I'm not home. She's like, you're sitting right here, ma. You're talking to your friends on your iPhone. Like, what, what? Just tell her I'm not home. So that you, then, then you, that kid, lies about where she went that two, two weeks later, and you're like, the one thing I want from you is honesty. If you do something, tell me the truth. I cannot stand lying. And the kid's thinking, ma, every time Bobby calls, you lie. Right? You go to the airport, right? This is the best, I love this. You go to the airport, and you're coming back from Eretz Yisrael, so so, secure, so security asks you, did you buy anything while you were here? Now you got like 30 suitcases, right? You're there for sukkahs for two and a half, three weeks. And you're like, no. No, um, we, we, we didn't buy anything. And the kids are sitting there and they're like, we have chocolate candy, you know, all the Israelis' candies, you know, candies and mices and zachen and silver and art and all this stuff, but you don't want the Israelis to start opening up your bags, right? So it's like, no, absolutely not. We don't have, we don't, we don't have, we don't have anything. Did you pack everything yourself? I packed everything myself. All 40 suitcases, I packed everything myself. You didn't pack, and I started asking the kids, did you pack? What's in your bag? Alright, you don't want the kid to answer. I think the Israeli security should ask the kids. Is everything, did you, did your family buy anything? Forget about it. Yeah, what are you kidding me? My father will put my Bobby and my Zadie and my cousins and my... You're done. Right? So here you are, this family. You're lying in front of your kids. And they're standing there and they're giving you a little edge like, what, what are you, you know? So, so then you yell at them later, how could you lie? Or, you're caught speeding. Right? And you're sitting in your car and you're driving on the throughway, wherever it is, and you're doing 75 and your wife keeps telling you, or 80, your wife keeps telling you, Chaim, slow down. Chaim, slow down. Slow down. It's, it's 50 miles an hour speed limit. It's 80 miles an hour. And you're like, listen, I'm a good driver. Don't worry. And all of a sudden, whoo, cop pulls you over. All the kids are like shaking. And they open your window. You open your window. The cop says, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? No. <laughs> I mean, I was doing the speed limit, wasn't I? And the kids are like, what is Tati saying? Mommy said the speed limit's 50, he's doing 80 the whole time. Sir, you were doing 80 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. Are you serious? I didn't realize it. And the kid's like, what do you mean you realize it? Mommy told you a hundred times. Shut up! But what are you, what, what are you telling? You know, the police like, maybe I should talk to the kid in the back seat, right? <laughs> so we don't, we don't realize we have all these white lies that we do all the time. And, and, and then we don't understand why our children lie, specifically tzedakah, in shul, a father, if, a kid, if someone's coming over tzedakah, give the kid the money, teach him to give. The famous story with the Chavetz Chaim, where in those days, even in my days, I don't have to go back to those days, there were two windows in the bank. I don't know how old you guys are. There were two windows in the bank. There was lines for deposits, 
and there were lines for withdrawal. The, the, the same teller didn't do both. There was two sides of the bank, the deposits and the withdrawal. And it's a famous story where the guy got a job in a bank and he, and he had a choice whether to work behind the withdrawal counter or the deposit counter. So he went to the Chabetz Chaim and he asked the Chabetz Chaim, which, which one should I do? And the Chabetz Chaim said, 100% withdrawals. You should only work by withdrawals. So he said, why? He says, because by withdrawals you're giving people things. By deposits you're taking their things. Just be used to giving, giving, giving. Don't be used to taking, taking, taking. Same job, right? So, a, a kid has to see that you do chesed. I, my, 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 my grandparents, Oliver Shalom, were amazing. They lived on the west side. I'm going back 50, 55 years. And at that time, of course, it's, it's not that long after the war. And they lived on the west side. At the west side at that time was very run down. They lived on 98th Street. It was very run down. There were tenement buildings. There were a lot of people sleeping on the benches on Broadway. A lot of street people sleeping. And a lot of those were Jews. Poor old Jews. They had no bathrooms. They had no showers. You can imagine what they smelled like. My grandparents, Lil Shalom, had those people every Friday night. And Shabbos day. And I remember as a little kid, I could not, I used to sit like this in front of them. I couldn't, I couldn't sit in that room. It stunk so bad. And my grandparents didn't smell it. And they had these people every Shabbos and Pesach. And one of them was like crazy. He thought he was an FBI agent. Uh, crazy stuff. I remember as a kid. Right? But I, I remember that my grandparents had an open house. And it didn't matter whether you, your, your clothing was soiled and stunk. It didn't matter to them at all. They didn't even smell it. I, I think, I can't say for sure, but I think that I once asked my grandfather, because I was a kid, that how do you, how do you, ha- how could you take the smell? And he said, to reach nechorach ishella Hashem. That's like a carbon. Reach nechorach ishella Hashem. My father was same way. There was a man that he went collecting and he met my father and, and to make a long story short, he um, was a derelict, also the same thing. He lived on the east side in a building, a tenement building that had no heat and no windows. His, his, my father once went upstairs to pick him up and his, his house had maybe one chair, one table, nothing. And dirty and filthy and papers and wolf chair, whatever. And he used to come to my house in Muncie, which was a very clean, you know, Muncie house. This guy stunk a million miles away. He never took a shower. My mother was sure he had bugs crawling all over him. And he, and I remember when my mother, um, she said to my father, that he's really a very rich man. She knows he's a very rich man. And, and he's ripping us off. Because he used to come every Shabbos. My father bought him food, whatever. And how did she know? Because in his bag, he, he didn't even have a suitcase. He had bags, like a bag. A bag woman, a bag man. He used to have the Wall Street journals. All kinds of Wall Street journals. And certain stocks were circled. My mother was like, you know, she went into his room to see what's going on. You know, women are... So she's like telling my father, you shouldn't be giving him tzedakah because this is a very rich man. My father said, he's a very sick man. He's not a very rich man. He comes all the time. He's terribly, whatever. My father tried to buy him clothing. Anyway, he died. He died. How did we find out he died? The New York Times had an article about a Mr. I'm not going to say his name, whatever it was. They found a man in the east side in a tenement with, I think, $6 million of stock certificates. 
So my mother said to my father, you see, you see, I told you he was rich. My father says, he was poor, he smelled, he, he, in his mind, I don't know what he had or what he didn't have. Of course, the kids who never took care of him all of a sudden showed up, you know, to get the stocks, whatever it is, we didn't get it. And, and my father didn't have even one second of feeling like he was taken. He saw this by his parents. He saw his parents taking care of such people. And, and that's the sin you have to give your kids. If you don't have, if you're not sitting, Pesach HaOel, if your door is not an open door and you're not sitting at the door, but you're all the way upstairs in your house or someone far away, right? Then you don't, which we're going to talk about in the next Pesach, then, then you have, then you're waiting. I'll tell you the difference. And I told it, I, I said it, I said it to my girls in seminary. What's the difference of sitting Pesach Olmoid or sitting, not, what, what's the Torah telling me that he's sitting Pesach Olmoid? It should say he's sitting, he's sitting in his house. He wasn't sitting in his house. He's sitting at the door. The difference is, knocking, they have to knock on the door, or you bring them into your house before they knock on the door. They never got to the house. it's the cross them. If you're sitting at the door, then you see the poor person all the way down the street, you can run out to get them. If the door's closed, then you're in your house. I'm giving you a metaphor. I'm not, I'm not talking about the door exactly. But if that's how you look at, 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 at chesed, right? So the chesed has to come to you. Aaron Cohen, right, was Rodev Shalom. He, he didn't wait till, till they were, they were having uh, marital difficulties and they, and they called Robert Walton or they sent Robert Walton an email or they, they try to get an appointment or they try to reach him, right? And they try to come to meet me. No. He was Radev Shell. Radev Shell means that it's, it's not, it's not that they came to, they need me. It's I need them. I am Radev Shalom. But Aaron, what are you Radev Shalom? Sit and have a, have a hamburger. Learn some time. Radev Shalom. He was a shtick Shalom. I want to claim with a stick of a, a piece of shalom. So he was roidev shalom. He ran after it. When you said the Pesach Oel, no one knocks on your door because you see them before they get to the door. That was that was his. And, and I was trying to, to last night. I was trying to explain the difference between people who see the other person's pain before the other person tells them. What's the word I'm looking for? Anticipates. No, anticipates. Anticipates. I anticipate your needs. I talk about this in marriage very much in my shalom bias. There, there, a guy makes a coffee for his, for his wife every single morning. Right? It's a good guy. She doesn't ask. He's doing it since he's married. When, she gets up, when he gets up, he goes downstairs. He makes the coffee the way she wants it. And he puts it next to her bed. He anticipates that's what she needs. The guy that doesn't do that, but his wife asks him every morning, Chaim, can you go get me a coffee? Is the difference between Pesach Olamoy or being inside the house? Because once she asks you to do it, right, then you're sort of doing her a favor. You're asking me to do you a favor, I'm doing you a favor. But if, if I make the coffee first, or like Abraham Avinu, who's doing who the favor? If I, if I need, right, like Abraham Avinu, I need to do chesed every single day, or I feel very unfulfilled, and I feel that I have a very big void, and you are the one that allows me to feel full, right? And feel like I did something today. So who owes who? 
I owe you. I have a void. I'm a shtick chesed. I, I want to do chesed. I don't have, I, I don't know, I don't have anyone to do it with. You, right, are allowing me to do it. So you are the master and I am the servant. Because you're helping me do what I need to do. Avraham Avinu, right, when he meets them, he says to them, right, what are you bowing down to a bunch of Arabs? You're Avraham Avinu. You're the head of the world. And the answer is, these three guys helped me with my pain. They did me the favor. I'm not doing them a favor. Guys, listen carefully to the difference. If I anticipate, and if I have this void that I need to do chesed or shalom or help somebody, right? And I, that's who I am. Then if you give me that ability, I owe you. You don't owe me. You gave me what I need. So if Ramavinu bowed down to them and said, my masters, if you want to do me a favor, if I find favor in your eyes, help me get rid of this pain that I don't have anyone to help. Don't walk past my house. If you walk past my house, I'm back to my original thing, sitting at the door, not being able to do what I want to do. Wow! It's a, it's a whole shift. It's a whole shift in what chesed is. If I need to do chesed and you gave me that ability, it, you're giving me... I'm, I'm giving you tzedakah. I'm buying Ganeiden. Who owes who? You owe me? No, I owe you. I, w- I was missing something that you gave me. That's Neuridik. Abramovino, his chesed was, and, and every word, every word in this parasha teaches you, but it has to start with that the door is open. Once they knock on the door, once they knock on the door, so they need a favor. You're doing them a favor. But if I'm really that kind, and I have friends that are like that, they, they will go out and find people to help. Because that's who they are. And they make those people feel like, you're doing me a favor coming to me for Shabbos. You're doing me a favor coming to me. I need guests by the table, because I'm going to say in the, I'm going to say in the Haggadah, whoever wants to eat, come into my house. So, if I don't have you at the table, that's a false statement. He's doing much bigger for you. Yeah, but that's, that's a nice saying, but you, you, have to, you have to own that. You have to feel that. You know? You help an army and you, may, you have to feel that. But really, it goes to a different level when, when, when that's your need. So, so I always say that in marriage, it's anticipation. If your wife has to call you and ask you for a vacation, you're doing her a favor, you're taking her on vacation. But if you're like, listen, you look very tired, and you, you need a vacation, let's go. So she didn't ask you for it. She's like, I didn't ask you for it. So I didn't ask you for it. I, 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 you're not doing me a favor. I, I, you don't know, I don't owe you anything, do I? She's like, no, I want, I want... So if you make a coffee for someone before they ask, before they ask, so you, 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 you didn't do them a favor, they didn't ask you. That you anticipated their needs. A good, a good marriage is when each one anticipates what the other one needs so they don't have to ask. And by the way, anyone who's married knows that once they have to ask, they don't even want it anymore. If I have to ask you to make me a coffee, I'll go make it myself. Cause I don't need any favors. Don't do me any favors. That's, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. 
So that's who, that's who Avram Avinu was. So maybe we need to change our psychology. I don't mean sitting at your door on 23rd Street uh, with the door open because I think you might get the wrong guests. Right? I mean that in your heart, it's a really nice metaphor, but in your heart, you need to be sitting at the door. You need to be sitting at the door, which means that I, I could see who's coming and I could see who needs so the Torah tells us very specifically, not only he was sitting in the Ohel, where was he sitting in the Ohel? He was looking to help others. He was a rodev, like Aaron Akoin. Aaron Akoin went into the street, and he looked. <gasps> These two are not smiling at each other. Let me go, let me go help them. They didn't come knocking on his door. I'm a marriage counselor. He had a big door, marriage counselor. That's not a rodev shalom. That's also, don't get me wrong. People who help Shalom Bias is beautiful. But he went out. He was ready there. He went out. He needed it. He needed it. He went out. He said, oh, these two are not smiling. These two are going out to eat. And each one's looking at their own iPhone. They're not even looking at, they're not even looking at each other. we got to do something about this. They're, they don't seem to be happy. He's raising his voice at her. She's turning her back on him. Our client picked up on that. Now, if that's not your need and you're not a shtick Shalom... You're going to be in the room and you won't even see it. You won't even see that they're not happy. Because your antennas are not up. Yes, if someone comes to you, you would help them. But would you go to them to help them without them? Sometimes are you, are you hoping the guy will not stop you? I have to say, I'm, again, I am, I am talking to myself. I'm really not talking to you because I'm giving myself more so. Last night I was in, I was in Shermer Shabbos. 2.15 million a.m. Now, I know when I was there, I was in a situation wherever with a bunch of people, and we, we, were, we were up very late, and Landau finished at one, our meeting stopped at, finished at a quarter to two. So I didn't have a minion, so I went to Sherman Shows. I don't understand why everyone else is there. I don't hop. Like, there was like 30 people there, like, what are you doing there at a quarter after two? Right? But everyone, everyone has a reason. Kishmak a minion, really, a big minion. And there was a man there. And he was one of those guys that my grandparents used to take care of. <laughs> In my head, I was hoping that he wouldn't ask me to take him home. He's very old. It takes him an hour to get in the car. It takes him an hour to get out of the car. And I don't know if I have to fumigate my whole car. And I was like, I hope he doesn't ask me. To the point that he was he was standing by one exit, I went out the other exit. It's rather Wallenstein. It's two fifteen in the morning. My wife's I was supposed to be home much earlier. I'm like, I can't stop putting him in my car, taking him out of my car. It's gonna take me an extra half an hour to forty minutes. I can't do it. And I went out the other door. Did he get it right? I'm sure he got it right, but I didn't get that mitzvah. I was not Raydaf Chesed. So I'm talking to myself tonight, and, and it was wrong, totally wrong. I should, it, was, it was probably a test. I should have asked him, do you want to ride? Maybe he would have said no. I just just wasn't in the mood. There's no such thing as you're not in the mood if that's who you are. I'm not in the mood of being Zechariah Wallstein. If I'm, I'm a shtick chesed, then how can I say I'm not in the mood? I, I just I didn't want to do it. Did I give the other guys who were collecting money in the shul money last night? Of course. No sweat, a dollar to it, no sweat. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to give up 30 minutes of my time. And I didn't really, uh, I just got a car wash. <laughs> just got a car wash. I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, right? I'm talking serious. I'm talking about myself, right? 
So I'm, I'm way not there. Way not there. Way not there. I should have been. Oh my God. I have a chance now to do chesed. I can't walk out of shul without helping this man. I'm not there. That's where I need to be. That's, that's this week's parsha. I'm not there. Or when they announce, is anyone going to Flatbush? Right? You're just not in the mood. You want to be on the phone. You, want to, you don't want the person to be sitting there listening to your conversation. Right? So you, you know, like you go out the other door and you make believe you didn't hear it. I'm not criticizing anyone. I did it last night. So, but you have to work on yourself. You have to work on yourself. Just like the guy in Shul that you think is not Jewish and it bothers you to give him money, it's the guy you got to give more money than the other people. You got to break yourself. The guy that really hurt you, that hurt you deep. It was a guy that once hurt me very, very deep. And I had this answer that I wanted to give him that was in me for a long time that when he puts his hand out to shake my hand like nothing ever happened I would tell him I don't shake the hand that has my blood on it it was the line it was the line that's a line I don't shake the hand that has my blood on it oh I wanted to say that so bad oh and that hand's going to be put out to me and I am working and working and working not to say that line, but just to shake the hand and say, how you doing? Like nothing happened. Is it going to happen? I don't know. There's so much pain. There's so much shock at what happened. But if you're a shtick shalom, then not shaking the hand and making such a comment, you're not, you're not an oyev shalom, you're not a way of shalom. That's how you grow. You grow when you, you go against yourself. The whole person grows. The guy you don't want to give money, you give double. The person you don't want to talk to, you're, the, you're nicer than to anyone else. It's called Mavra Midoisa, and it's hard. I can talk to you about it now, but I know what's going to happen when that hand comes out. That line's in, on, the, on the edge of my mouth, and it just, might just come out. And I put my hand out. It might not put my hand out. I don't know what's going to happen. But that hand's going to come very soon. I know that. And he's going to make like, Shomalechem, and I'm going to be like, so it's very hard to do that even in your it's very hard to do that but I can tell you something the next morning when you wake up and you were able to pull that off you feel like the greatest person in the world you beat yourself there's no one harder there's no bigger Yetzirah than the Yetzirah that's within you the difference between before the Yetzirah and after the Yetzirah was before the Yetzirah the Yetzirah was outside so we have a lot of stuff outside that tells us to do bad things. Friends, the, 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 where you live, there's a lot of things outside, outside things that want you to do bad things. And it's a fight. But there's no bigger fight than when you want to do bad things. When the guy inside here says, whack him, don't talk to him. So when your friends are telling you, whack him man, don't talk to him, don't shake his hand, you know what he did to you? He put you under the bus. No, he put you under the truck. No, he put you on a, under a Boeing 747. Don't you dare shake his hand. Don't be a wimp. Don't be a loser. Right? So you have all your friends telling you that. Yeah, it's hard to put your hand out. It's your friend. It's not you. But when you're telling yourself, I'm not shaking that hand. You put me under the bus. The hardest 
fight that exists. The biggest victory is when you can break yourself. If I would have taken that man home last night, this morning, I would have been, yes! Hashem, you know what I just did? I had a car wash. It's 2.15. I'm tired. My wife already is upset that it's so late. Because didn't matter. I am a shtick chesed. I cannot watch an old poor man standing there waiting for a ride. I can't. Wow, if I could have looked in the mirror and said that this morning. Wallstein, you know who you are? You're a guy that can't watch anyone in pain. And no matter what it costs you time and your car and he smells and you have to walk him in, you have to walk him out, you got to put him in the car, you got to move the car. It's a whole nice thing to move this guy, right? I did it. I would have been home at 3 o'clock, 3.15. So it's another half an hour, 40 minutes. Wouldn't that change my life? That's for sure. That's sitting at the door of your heart and your soul. That's where you got the work to get to. But in the Pasuk it says how to get there. So right once you told me the ultimate is I hear you. It's very nice. But I'm not like that. How am I gonna get there? So the Torah tells you how to get there. Number one. Number one. By Yisa Ainov. I don't know what that means. Does Ayisa Ainov mean to see somebody? How do you say and he saw somebody? Bayar. Bayar. What does a Yisa Enov mean? Now, do you going to tell me that a Yisa Enov means lift your eyes? So it's like a metaphor to me that you saw. So then you would say by Yisa Enov, you wouldn't say Bayar. If you say Bayar, you wouldn't say by Yisa Enov. They both mean the same thing. In this passage, it says, by Yisa Enov, Bayar. There's three words, by Yisa Enov, Bayar. Either it's Bayar or by Yisa Enov. I can understand the metaphor, and he lifted his eyes, and behold, whatever. Right? He was depressed, he was downtrodden, and he said, I lifted up himself. He saw them, his eyes lifted up because he saw those two way to help. He was the cynical about it. He was downward, he was depressed, they couldn't help anybody. So it should have been Vayar? Vayar, but he But it doesn't say that. According to what you're saying, it's Vayar, he saw them, but Yisayin of now he felt great. Because it's the other way. Because Abraham was looking for them, and that's why. What's what Yisayin of mean? Vayar, Vayar, Avraham. We don't. It's just seeing. Vayisa is looking. Vayisa is looking. Vayisa is looking. Vayisa ain't of means he lifted his eyes. So I have a different taich. It could be, but I have a different taich. Before a different translation. Before I see you, before I see you, I have to stop seeing me. Because if I only see me, I can't see you. Vayisa ain't of. Lift your eyes from yourself. Then by Yah. Lift your eyes up. Stop looking at yourself. Stop being busy with yourself. Lift your eyes. Then you can see someone else. But you can't see when someone else if you don't lift your eyes. If you're busy with yourself all day, you don't see anybody else. You just see yourself. So the Apostle is telling us, you want to know chesed and how to do chesed? The first thing is, lift your eyes out of your iPhone. Stop looking at all your stuff. Because yes, it's true. Go out, go tomorrow and watch what's going on. There are people, or they, all, they, all they do is they're looking at their iPhones the whole day. There are people getting shot in front of them. There are people falling down. There's crashes and all kinds of stuff. They don't see it. 
They don't see it. Like, didn't you see that guy in shul? Like what? He's looking at his iPhone the whole time. So the first thing you need to do is to is to stop being busy with yourself. Says the Torah. Oh, vayar vihine, which is a surprise, right? Hine is a behold, right? Which also wasn't needed. Right? I think I spoke last year about the, the hine. I'm not speaking about it tonight. What is the hine? What do you need the hine for? Vayar and behold. So I think that one of the truths is that they weren't humans. So they, it, it's behold, they, they came out of nowhere. They were, they were angels. It should say, And he saw three people standing on, standing in front of him. What, what's behine, behold? So because Taka was behold. They weren't there. All of a sudden they were there. I think that was one of the truths, but there's a much deeper truth. I don't remember what I said last year. But anyway, so there's the Tzavimalav, they're standing on him. Vayar, Vayar Aslakrasam. And he, and he, and, and he saw, and he ran to meet them. So you know my famous story. I'm not going back into the, the double Vayar. The, the double Vayar. Why does it say Vayar, and then it says Vayar? In the beginning of the passage it says Vayar, The first time he looked, there were three people standing in front of him, right? Then it says the same passage, Vayar, and he looked again, Vayar took across them, and he ran to meet them. No, it should be the other way around. If they're standing in front of me, I didn't run to meet them. No, he wasn't hallucinating. They didn't, they didn't do that stuff in the world. No. In other words, it means, it should have said, Vayar, Vayaras across him. He saw them and he ran to meet them. He needs a olive. After he met them, they were standing in front of him. So what's going on over here? First of all, why two Vayars? Why did he look twice? And second of all, if they're standing in front of you, you can't run to meet them. You're going to run over them. So this whole passage is in reverse. Uh, it, I it, believe Russia says that they saw him in bandages and they took a step back. So he Rashi says that. Let me check it out. Says, I think so. Or someone. So Rashi says, That he just saw them. The second, which is my whole speech. The second is they understood. He understood that they, that, that they had a need. The second is they didn't want to bother him. Okay. Anyway, um, Rashi is saying what I want to say. Rashi is saying that the first look, it's an unbelievable Rashi. This is what Rashi is saying. The first look, he just saw the facts. Right? He didn't understand what's going on. He saw the facts. He didn't say, I don't have Bono. Second look, he understood. What? Right. Should I say it again? I said every every year. What? What the Chabanash story? No, no, the Chabanash story. I'll tell you a different story. I'll tell you a story from Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald, all of a sudden. Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald um, was all of a sudden was the Rosh Hashiva of girls. He was there was no one in the chinuch of girls. He was he was unbelievable. He had Sternberg. But I opened the school and I really wanted him to be um, to be my dean. And why did I want him to be my dean? He, was, he, he had a school in Muncie because of a discussion that I had with him once. And I remembered what he said. And I said, this is the man. This is the man that I want running my school. So there was a girl that was thrown out of a school in 10th grade. She really did something bad. And um, he threw out, they, they threw out a school. And, and the parents at that time, this is going back a while, right? So... If you got thrown out of school, there was no way, no one else was taking you in. It's not like today with Mushmash. 
There, 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 only, there were only two schools in that place, and there was no, no other school to send her. So she was home. And the parents tried with Rabbanim, and they tried with people with money, and they tried all the pressures, and the Rebetzin who ran the school said, listen, you, it's not happening. Uh, move, out, move out of town if you have to. She's not coming back to my school. She's not for my school. She did something pretty pretty bad. And Rebetzin said, I'm not taking her back. So they went to Ronnie Greenwald. And they said, he was the last stop. And they said, you got to do something. you got to do something. you got to get our kid back into school. They pushed him. He went. And he went to talk to Rebetzin. And Rebetzin said, I know why you're here. And they, I, I, I'm not bending. She cannot be in my school. She just cannot be in my school. And he said, I just want to ask you a question. If an Alta Babachka, a Bobby, an old woman, Alta Babachka, came into this building, Rebetzin, an Alta Babachka, an old grandmother, came into this building, is there anything that she could do that would make you throw her out? Out the grandma, Jewish grandmother. No, of course I would never throw out. No matter what, whatever we talk with this, try. <sighs> Rebetzin, you just threw out a Bobby and a mommy and an Alta Bobby. You're looking at a 16 year old girl. No, this 16 year old girl one day is going to be a mother of children, and then she's going to have grandchildren. And then she's going to have great-grandchildren. But if you don't give her a chance, I don't know if she'll ever be a Bobby or a mommy. This woman never heard anyone speak like that. And she said to Ronnie, if you guarantee me that she'll be an Alta Bobby the way she's supposed to be, I'll take her back. And she took her back. And the whole thing blew away and she ended up being a very normal, basically normal girl. The first Vayar guys, when you look at somebody, Rashi says, and that's a Chaya Wallstein. The first Vayar, what does Rashi say? Rashi says, right, let's look at the word that he says. Shnei Harishon Kimashmoi. The first vayar is the facts. You see the facts. She's 16 years old. She made a, she did a crazy thing. You throw her out. First vayar, the hina needs some olav. The facts are standing in front of you. The second vayar is havana. Is understanding what you just looked at. Is understanding that a 16 year old child, right now, one day, is going to be a grandmother and a great grandmother. And that's why it says two vayars in the Pasuk. And it's very important for all of us. Never go by the first look. Everyone says, when you meet a girl, you go out. In two minutes, you make your decision. I can tell you that the first look, the cute, the funniest story, the funniest story you guys are going to love, the funniest story of the first look. I don't know if I ever said this in my, in my share. I have so much good stuff, I'm not going to have time tonight. Okay, anyway. This is a really true story. You can ask him. Myself and Rabbi Ezra Max were in Eretz Yisrael. And we were going from seminary to seminary. I was speaking. And he happened to be in Eretz Yisrael. He was, he rented a car. I didn't have a car. He had a car. So he would take me to all these different places, all these different seminaries. Now Rabbi Ezra Max has a big black beard. And I'm clean shaven. 
true story, you can ask Ezra. We come to a seminary, a big seminary. We pull up, I remember getting out of the car, and there's all these girls were in the main auditorium, whatever it is, and there was one machanechas that was standing and waiting for me to come to speak, to bring me into the hall. So, 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 and Ezra also, sometimes when I spoke, he were, he's, a, he's a life coach. He also used to speak for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. In the beginning, I don't know what we were, we were talking about seminary. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but he wasn't speaking here. He wasn't speaking here. Only in the modern, more modern place he was speaking. This was like, we come there, you can ask him. We come there, and this Mechaneches says to me, do you know who I was? Um, I'm really sorry, I don't want to insult you, but we have a rule that only the speaker can come into the hall, not his driver. So to me, I said, I turned to Max, he was like turning green. I said, I hope you're well prepared. <laughs> so she looked at me like, and, and Max goes, I think you're making a mistake. She goes, no, we're not making a mistake, that's a rule. I'm sorry, I understand, but it's a girl's school, and the speaker has to be there, but the driver doesn't have to be there. He says, no, I think you're making a mistake. You see, he's Rabbi Wallerstein. <laughs> she didn't dig a hole to the center of the earth. She dug a hole to China. She turned white. I said, it's okay. I don't take it personally. But you just made a judgment. I don't know if you should be in Chinuch. If that's how you judge people, I don't know if you should be a chinuch. You should have said, excuse me, we have a rule, which one of you is Rabbi Wallerstein? How could you make such a mistake? Let's say I was sensitive, I'd walk away. Okay, you made a judgment, I'm not, I'm not giving you a share. So the first vayar is a clean shave and he has a beard. The first vayar is the facts. The second vayar, the Havana is, maybe Wallerstein doesn't have a beard. I don't know, but I might be insulting someone here. And maybe we shouldn't call somebody a driver. We shouldn't make someone feel like, a second class citizen. So maybe you should have that rule. If someone brought him, he can sit next to him, up front. We do this all the time. That happened that with me, it doesn't make a difference, but we do this all the time, that we make our judgment calls. So yes, it's normal, if there's a guy with a beard, and there's a guy without a beard, and you're calling him Rebbe or Rabbi, you're looking at, I would do the same thing. If I walk into a room, a guy has a beard, a guy's clean shaven, right? And he's got long hair and it's brushed back. I'll be like, and they say it's Rabbi Wallace, and I'm looking at the guy with the beard, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, that's him. I would think the same thing. But what we're learning from here is, no, you have to have the Havana, says Rashi. You have to, you have to have the second look, you have to have the Rabbi Greenwald look. Then I'm looking at a 16 year old, but no, I'm looking at a Bobby. I'm looking at a situation that can be so wrong. What I see. I will tell you a story about my father, who, saw his parents so it's not shocking and my brother doesn't want me to talk about what he does he did exactly my brother it, it, it's heretic you see it if you see it you, you 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 get sensitized to it you get sensitized to these kind of people right so I was a Rebbe in the Bronx my first job that I got was an yeshiva called Torah Viera. I was just married I was just 20 years old my first job, I opened the Jewish press. We were looking for a Rebbe. I had to drive to the Bronx every single day. I come to the Bronx, and I start teaching this yeshiva. The, the Bronx at that point, you know, the real estate was zero. 
all the buildings were broken, burnt out, tenements. The people that were at that point, this is, you're talking, I'm teaching 38 years. So you're talking 1978. That's when I started. I, start, I got married in September, and I started teaching in Torah of a year in September. So, I'm not even going to get into what went on in that yeshiva, but I wanted to, to give the kids in my class a Shabbos, so I invited six kids, that's all that was in my class, to come to my parents' house. I was just married, and we, you know, we just get married. I went every second or third week to my parents in Muncie, and I thought for them it would be amazing to have a Shabbos in Muncie, in a normal house. I picked them up for Shabbos, I'm telling you. I never, there were, there were kids that were almost rats in these buildings. It was, they lived in cold, cold buildings. There was no heat, there was no windows. Never, I mean, not much people who have nothing. So, they came with their broken old bags and suitcases, whatever it was, and they came to my house. They never even saw such a house in Muncie, Central Air Conditioning. It was, it was, and I was like, we had a beautiful Shabbos. We walked to Basis Well, which is 20 minute, a mile walk. One of the kids, of the six kids, was not feeling well Friday night. And I came Shabbos, he said he can't even get out of bed. I said, okay, I'm not worried, we'll go to shul, we'll come back. He's a big boy. I was teaching seventh grade. He's a big boy, okay, no problem. Okay. So we have this great Shabbos, and I'm really happy, and my parents, my father always loved kids, and he always loved to help the underdog. That was, that's where, that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from nowhere. And I took them bowling, hub bowling, Muncie. They never went to a bowling alley in their life. They never, one of the kids told me he never drank a cup of Coca-Cola. Like, they don't have soda in this house. They have rusty water. It's like the poorest people. I didn't know they existed. You go over the bridge and the, the, the third, uh, third, uh, what is it called? Third Avenue Bridge. And I'm like in a different world over there. So, and I'm a superstar because I had a nice car and I had food. I gave them food in class. It was like, it was like America. Anyway, t- this is a true story. So, after Shabbos, I took him bowling. I come home from bowling. And my mother calls me into the room upstairs, into their bedroom. Zachariah, my name wasn't Zachariah at the time, it was Stevie, whatever. Um, I need to talk to you. What, what happened? When they left to go bowling, my mother were yekkers, and my mother doesn't like when there's stuff all over the place. So she went down to their bedroom to clean up. Because, you know, guys, whatever they had was flying all over the place. She goes down to clean up, and she's putting some socks or some underwear, whatever it is, back in a suitcase. And in the suitcase was all our silver and all her jewelry. That kid that stayed back wasn't sick. He stole while we were gone. He went into everyone's drawer, my mother's drawer, took her jewelry, my father's cufflings, his gold watch. They took silver out of the silver thing. It was a setup, right? Got of them. So when my mother saw it, she went nuts and she ran up to my father. These kids out of this house, I want to hire, pack them up tonight. I don't want them another second in my house. They took all the jewelry. They went into her, her bedroom and took her jewelry. And father said, take everything out of the suitcase, put it back in your drawer, put the silver back in the drawer. I don't want you to say a word. My mother said, I shouldn't say a word. What are you talking about? My father said, the minute they come back, they open their suitcase and the stuff ain't there. They know you caught them. And that's stupid. Where'd the silver go? Where'd the jewelry go? These are very poor children. There's no reason to say anything. They learned their lesson. They know we caught them. So my father called me into the room to tell me not to say anything. 
Alright? That's crazy. It's crazy. Who would not put him in the car, get him out of here? They went into, it's not like they stole a, a silver spoon. They went into our bedrooms and into our private drawers and took our stuff. And my father's like, these are kids. They're, they're, look where they come from. You caught them. You don't have to give him a speech. He opens his drawer. He's like, oh my God, they know. What are you going to tell him anything differently than that you know? He knows you know. Okay? No. Not enough. Sunday morning, my father turns to these guys. and he, Not a word. We didn't say one word. Thank you so much for coming. Anytime you want to come for Shabbos, my house is open to you. My mother almost went <laughs> through the floor. I was like... So I took them and I called my father. I said, Dad, uh, I, I'm not you. I don't have that. I want to rip their heads off. I want to rip their arms off first and then I want to rip their heads off. I went crazy. I was, I was 20. I was like, where's that curse the toe? I took them out. I took them bowling. I took them out to Muncie to my parents. In my parents' house? You're stealing from other people? That's your problem. You came to my house? It's like the donut story, the cupcake story, right? I was, I was, I was going crazy. And my father says, don't you dare embarrass them. I said, but Tati, how could you invite them back? He says, don't worry. We'll take everything and lock it before Shabbos. That's where he came from. Where did that come from? That come from sitting by his parents and watching them give everything to people who you can't even sit in the same room with. That's, that's chesed. That's the second look. First look with me. You stole from my parents! You took jewelry out of my mother's drawer? You will never come to Munchie again. I will never buy you anything again. You are a bunch of ganavim. First look. No Havana. This is what happened. You stole from me. You're going to get it over your head. Rashi says. You, you want to do chesed? You want to you want to you want to make a, a relationship, right? You, you want to run to meet and to greet and to be with another person. Havana. Havana is these are kids who don't have what to eat. Here was a chance to steal. That's how they live. They steal. So we need to teach them how to stop stealing, and we need to teach them that there are good people in the world that will give you things. That's the second one. Well, Yaros the Kossel. But Hashem, I have a father and mother, I have a father and mother that had the second look. Because sometimes when you come up with your mark, oh, that first look ain't good. <laughs> if the mark's a 50, that's the fact. The fact is you got a 50. The fact you're a failure. The fact we're not going to a hockey game. The fact you're not talking to your, your friends. That's the Hine needs of Allah. You're standing on them. Standing on them. The second look is, Shefullah, you're a smart kid. Why 50? Let's go look, take a look at what you got wrong and what you got right and how to make it better. And that kid's not getting a 50 anymore. Looking at a kid and understanding that this little boy who just failed the test one day is going to be a Tati. Maybe even a Rebbe. A Zaydi. Maybe even a Rav. Maybe a Parnas Hadar. Maybe someone's going to take care of everyone. That's not an eight-year-old kid sitting in front of me. That's an eight-year-old man sitting in front of me. That was Rabbi Greenwald's. That was what made him special. That was why girls felt very special. Because he, he never looked at what is. He looked at what is the potential.
And that was Avram Avinu. And that's, that's why he is the Chesed. And that's why the Torah tells us, Vayar and Vayar. And Yoshev Pesach and Vayisainav. If you're busy looking for, at yourself the whole time, then you're not going to be able to look at anyone else. Okay. Wow, it's an hour already. Just very thought I have so much to say on Vayera. I'm just going to end with one thing. One amazing, you know, this week's like, that's Yitzhak, right? One, so much, so much. But okay. One very sad story from the Holocaust. See if I can find it. I can't. Just end with a bracha. Yeah, listen to this. The true story. I want to read a little bit from you inside. It's from Shar Machmadim. He brings a, a Maisa Nerv and Nishkov that happened in Auschwitz. Umaisa Kachoya, listen to the story. Oh, it shook me. I, I learned this this week. I was, I, I, I was shaking. It, it's a shaker. The Erev Rosh Hashanah in Auschwitz. On Erev Rosh Hashanah, the Emek HaBacha, in the Valley of the Tears, the cries, the Gehenem HaTachton, in the hell on this earth, Machna Hashmada Auschwitz, Nikmitsu V'Nikluchu, one day, on Rosh Hashanah, they gathered 1,400 young boys, and they locked them up, and they said that on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the Germans are going to put them in the gas chambers. So they were all in this waiting pen and they were, they were going to kill 14,000 kids on Rosh Hashanah. The first day of Rosh Hashanah, when all of us are judged like sheep, it was a terrible day and a day for crying. And everybody in Auschwitz was talking from mouth to ear. That in the evening, they're taking these boys, these 1400 boys, to the gas chambers and then to the crematoriums. And a man approached the Rav. He was a regular Jew, regular Jew from Oberland. Oberland. And this man came to the Rebbe. I don't know who the Rebbe is exactly. Oh, he doesn't say it. Oh, one second. Meisels. Okay. That's, that's belts? What's Meisels? Belts? Visions? What? Meisels is Zatmer? Huh? Meisels. Um, this, this, this is what happened with him. Okay, his father's name was Rav David Doiv Meisels. May I read Okay. Anyway, so he's in the concentration camp, and this man comes to him and he says the following: Rebbe, Haben Yachet Shali, I have one child, one child, and he's a boy. Hayakali me me bavas eni. He's the most special, the most precious thing that I have and he is part of the what do they call that when they chose them there was a word for it selection yeah he was part of the selection that's going to the crematoriums tonight the man said but I have the ability 
Liftlis Aisai. To get him, I know this story, to get him out. He had some money, whatever. He was able to pay the German, the Nazis, to save his son. I have the ability to save my son. But the Germans were, had to have a substitute. Because if they counted and there was the wrong count, then they would kill another 10,000 people. So, he says, I have no question. Cups. That, that they're going to take someone in replacement of him. What? The Kapos. The Kapos are, uh, Kapos, right. the Kapos are going to take someone. So he, he was able to pay off a Kapo to get his son free. But if his son gets free, then they're going to kill another. They're going to have to, he has to replace him. I'm, I'm asking the Rebbe a question. So what's the Halacha? I need you to pass in the Din. Do I have a right to to free him? Whatever you say, Rabbi, that's what I'm going to do. So I want to save my son, but someone else has to go in his place. When the Rabbi heard this question, he began to shake. How could I make a judgment in human life? He said, I can't answer the question. With, with a lot of tears and crying, the father again bothered him. Tell me what the halacha is. You have to answer me. Because it was burning in him to save his only child. He still had time to pay off the kapo. And the rav, the guy and the rav said to him, Please go away from me. Don't ask me this question. I can't answer this. I can't answer this halfway. I'd have to look it up in Svarim. I don't know the halacha. It's such a terrible situation. I don't know what to answer. And the, the man, who's a very plain man, continued to bother him. And he said, if the Rebbe doesn't give me the right permission to save my son, my only son, if that's the Psak Din, that I cannot save my son and replace it with someone else, I accept the Psak Din with love. The Loy Efta also, and I will not redeem him. The he said, and, and he said, he, when he started to cry, and he ripped my heart into little pieces. And he didn't, he didn't redeem his son, and his son died that night. Because he didn't get a psaac that he's allowed to replace someone, even though he had the ability to do that. And the next day after his son died, he was walking around and talking to himself with great happiness to follow that he was able to sacrifice his son his only child to God because he was able to save his son he said he told everyone I am I am not, ain't no boy that I say, I'm not redeeming my child, Machmas, because Shuraya Shatayra, 
Because the Torah doesn't allow me to sacrifice another kid to save mine. And this man said it should be as chashiv to God. I gave my child the same way Akedas Yitzchak was on Rosh Hashanah. We see him b'shalas true migdashe Hashem from the sefer that he wrote b'zehalashem va'ata achiyakiri. He's writing to all of us, my brothers, the rabbi. Tavin b'hisbainim b'tzitkas v'tumas isha yisraeli. Think about the tzitkas of this plain Jew. The ancient suffik etzli, and I don't have a question. Shibavade osid dibrei isha zeh. I don't have a question that this man, what he did, shook Shemayim. And God gathered all of his angels in Shemayim. And all the angels, all the words that are Mishosim. And he said praises. And he said, Look, Bria Shibarasi. A creation that I created for Olami in my world. You are the nation that I am very proud of. And he ends the story and he says, he said, this is the most unbelievable, amazing story. Imagine your father could save his son. He didn't because the rub wouldn't pass him that he could. The father also was killed. And he said, you should say over this story, for an Eli Nishama, for this father, this plain father and this son, who both died in Auschwitz. I don't, we don't know his name. No one knew the father's name or the son's name. But the Nishmasan, and their souls should be tied in the Torah HaChayim. Who, who could get to such a level? And you're not talking about a rub and a this and that. You're talking about a regular, regular person. So what we learn from the story is, guys, there is no regular person. There is no regular Jew. The most plain Jew, I don't have time to tell you the other story. There was a guy in a town, and he didn't even eat kosher, he didn't keep Shabbos, he used to eat chazer treif, he was against all the rabbis, it's a very famous story, I read it in a book, and he was against all the rabbis, and he was the one guy in European, this European, very from town, that mamish ate chazer in front of everyone on Shabbos, he played music, he was la hashmid, la harig from people, and he was in Auschwitz, and the Germans knew who they got, and they knew that this guy was anti-from, so one day by the lineup, what did they call the lineup? There's a something about also, there was a name in German. They called the lineup, every morning they had the lineup. They, 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 they took this, this guy and they put a big whole chazer with a, like a, an apple in its mouth with a knife and a fork with a table. And you can imagine this guy was starving. He didn't eat his, right? And he's eating nothing. And they put this chazer in front of him. Now he was a chazer eater. And they put this chazer in front of him on a table set with linens and everything in front of all the from Jews, in front of everyone that was lined up. And they said, this is what you used to eat. Eat in front of all your fellow Jews. And he said, no. I'm not. 
and everybody from the town that was standing there said, I don't stand. He ate chazer all the time. He said, I'm not. And the, the German said, in German, he said, I don't understand. You eat this. Why won't you eat this now? And he said, because I'm part of all of them. You made me part of all of them. You didn't let me live and not take me into Auschwitz because I ate chazer and didn't keep religion. You counted me as one of them. You want to destroy me as one of them. I am now one of them. I will not eat your chazer. And he put a gun to his head. And he said, you either eat the chazer, I kill you. Kill me. And he blew his head off in front of everyone. And the body was laying on the floor. And all these people, who this was the guy in town that went against everything, were looking at this man laying on the floor, blood running out of him, dead, died, the biggest Kiddush Hashem. You can eat Chazer. You can't do the three cardinal sins. Ah, I'm one of them. And they were thinking to themselves, look, the last second of his life, he was kind of a little helmet. Forget about that kid, that Kiddush Hashem, who has those chasen? Jew is just a different Bria. And that's why Hashem said to all his angels, look at this Bria. Nobody in this room and nobody watching this video should ever think that you don't have what it takes to do the chesed that Avraham Avinu did. But the first thing you have to do is Vayisa Enav. Stop looking at all this stuff and all the technology. You have to lift your eyes from your world. If you lift your eyes from your world, then you can actually see the world. Number two, Pesach HaOhel. Anticipate. You have to be there looking for the chesed. You have to be looking for the chesed. Number three, the first vayar is just standing in front of you. It's usually the wrong vayar. You can't be a person who helps others. You can't be a teacher and you can't be a parent if you don't take a second look. Says Rashi, the first look is the facts and the second look is the Havana, is the understanding. I was in Alaska. I was looking for a bald eagle. It was one of the things I wanted to see. I was on a boat, outside of the, boat, the cruise boat, and we were going along the shore where there were supposed to be a lot of eagles. And the lady, the lady said, there's an eagle. They slowed down the boat. They get these big forests, right? And they're pointing. I'm looking. I'm like, she was right behind me. The lady, the tour guide was right behind me. I was sitting there. I said, I don't see it. She's like, close your eyes for a second and then open them again. That's ridiculous, right? But, you know, she's a tour guide. She must know. I closed my eyes and opened it again. I'm like, there's a brown spot. That's it? She goes, yeah, that's a brown spot. Even binoculars, whatever it is. I go in and see it the first time I looked. So the first time you look, you see the whole general area. You close your eyes, you look again. You already saw the general area. You're able to see the details. Sometimes people look at art, they'll look at it, and they'll like, and they'll open again and look at it again. The first look is the, the facts, what you see in front of you, the general look. If you want to know the details, you want to know what's going on in that kid's life, you want to know the details of the situation, even though you, what, you, what I saw, I saw, right? Right, Wallace came in and he said, yeah, I saw, he's a pharmacist now. You saw, what you saw, you saw, but the Havana of what was really happening, you have no idea. Always take a second look. 
maybe sometimes even a third look. Because Baruch who knows how much Klai Yisrael, after those two stories I told you, how special we are, may we all be zoicheh, that God once again should bring his Pamal Yisrael he should bring all his Malachim, and look down on Klai Yisrael, and say, they're in such a deep gullus, and look at them, they're davening, and they're learning, and they're doing all these mitzvahs, and they're doing chesed, and HaKosh Baruch Hu, Shittakosh, should take us out of this, out of this darkness, and bring us, Hanukkah's coming, and bring us into the light. Shkoyach. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.